0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, DJ Hamilton. Welcome to another edition of the DJ Sports Show. In this episode, we're going to talk about the NFL wildcard round as the NFL playoffs are now underway. Even um, to the Evander Kane situation in the NHL. NHL, um, Joe Judge, the former head coach at Giants now, has been fired, I think, after two seasons of being the head coach. especially after Dave Gettleman just retired. Um, I knew Joe Judge was going to get fired, so that was interesting. And we'll, we'll get into some NBA news as well, going through the standings. And I'm going to make my all star predictions for the NBA um, who I think will be an all star and stuff like that. So we're going to get into stuff like that. Uh, and maybe some more. Maybe get into some baseball as well. We'll see what happens. So without further ado, let's get into the show and let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to get into some NFL first because with the playoffs starting now, so the wild card games yesterday. Um, I'm recording this Sunday, um, early in the afternoon. So the Buccaneers are playing right now, 17. They're up 17 0 nothing on the Eagles halftime. And once I can, once the scores continue to, to go on throughout the day of the wild card round today and tomorrow, I'll update you guys before I release this podcast. Um, so the Buccaneers are up 17 to nothing, but yesterday's games, man, the Buffalo Bills manhandled the the um, New England Patriots, 47 to 17. And then the Bengals defeated the Raiders, Oakland Raiders, 26 19 in a controversial game. So let's first get into the Bills and Patriots. Mac Jones, the rookie man, 24 38 completions, 232 yards, two touchdowns, but due for two interceptions. Josh Allen had five touchdowns, due for 308 yards on 21 to 25 com- um, 20- completions. The Bills had 482 total yards to the Patriots, 305. Um, they had three hundred eight passing yards for the Bills to the Patriots two hundred sixteen and one hundred seventy four rushing yards to the Patriots eighty nine. Um, they were Bills were six of seven on third down efficiency. Uh, the Patriots were seven of fourteen. Um, the Bills only had three penalties throughout the whole game that only cost them forty seven yards. They had no turnovers throughout the game, none, no fumbles, no interceptions. Uh, meanwhile, the Patriots had five penalties that cost them thirty four yards. Um, the Bills will continue to move on in the postseason as they're now 12-6 and 6, as the Patriots fall and are now eliminated from the postseason. Um, and then I want to get into some more details of the game. I'm looking at this article from SportingNews.com. So the last time the Bills and Patriots met in Orchard Park, Bill Belichick and company came out on top in a cold, low-scoring matchup. The only similarity between then and and Saturday was that it was cold outside. Um, It was the most upsided playoff defeat in the Belichick era to advance to the AFC Divisional Round. Um, Should the Chiefs beat the Steelers today on Sunday as we record this, the Bills will face off with Kansas City on the road. Remember last season, Kansas City defeated the Buffalo Bills in that heartbreaking defeat. And if Pittsburgh wins, Buffalo will host Cincinnati. So it all comes down to who's the winner of the Steelers in the Chiefs game. The Bills made NFL history in the first half. They became the first team in the NFL Super Bowl era to end each of their first five drives of the game with a touchdown, according to ESPN stats and information. The scoring started with Allen finding tight end Dawson Knox in the back of the end zone with a floating pass that Knox was able to haul in. Patriots quarterback by Matt Jones threw an interception in the end zone on the next drive, and Allen capitalized on the turnover with another touchdown to Knox in the other end zone. Devin Singletary at the Buffalo Bills. The running back rushed for two second quarter touchdowns. And it wasn't until six seconds remaining in the half that New England um, got on the scoreboard. And then Nick Folk field goal made a 27-3 at halftime. Even with a big lead, um, Buffalo did not take their pedal off the metal. They kept piling on with three more Allen touchdown passes in the second half. The Patriots' only responses were touchdown passes by Jones to Kendrick Bourne. In the third and fourth quarters, the first two postseason touchdowns of Jones' career. And, and like I said, Allen finished the game. He was remarkable. 21 of 25 completions on his passes, 308 yards, five touchdowns. Um, the 47 points were the most scored against New England. In the postseason, since Belichick took over as the head coach, the 30-point differential surpassed the 19-point playoff loss to the Ravens in 2010. It was the second biggest loss of his New England career overall, just behind a 31-point loss to the Bills back in 2003 when he had Tom Brady. Um, the Bills were up twenty-seven to three going into the half. They scored another touchdown in the third quarter and then poured on two more touchdowns in the fourth. Um, and now they look to continue to see who's the winner of the Steelers and Buffalo um, and Chiefs game. I want the Chiefs to win. I would love to see that matchup: Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Two remarkable young quarterbacks, some of the best in the game. They've been doing it for a little while now, doing their thing, helping their teams win. Mahomes to me has come a little bit underrated. Um, because he kind of lost that little bit of that magic that made him like different from other people this season he hasn't had that same magical feel like he's had the last two three seasons and but if he makes a super bowl again this year i'll be three straight years going to the super bowl three afc championships and he's only only 27 years old no he's only 26 he's not even 27 yet. he won't be 27 until september so next season so he's still very very young so that's the bills and Patriots game. Um, it was, it was a very lopsided game. It wasn't very close. But next up, let's get into the Bengals and Raiders game, which was very controversial. Continuing with the AFC Wild Card playoffs, we have the Bengals and Oakland Raiders. The Bengals took care of business on defeating the Raiders 26-19. And Joe Burrow had himself a game, um, throwing for 344 yards for two touchdowns and 24-34 completions. On the other side of the Oakland Raiders, their quarterback, Derek Carr, an um, interception had a touchdown he had 310 yards himself on 29 of 54 completions the Bengals had 308 total yards of the game to the Raiders 385 um, Bengals had 225 passing yards to the Raiders 282 103 rushing yards for the Raiders to the Bengals 83 um, Raiders were 8 of 18 on third down efficiency to the Bengals 5 of 12 um, both teams struggled with penalties seven penalties for both teams cost the Raiders, 46 yards, and the Bengals, 56 yards. Um, the Bengals, I mean, the Raiders, excuse me, also had another fumble as well, and they allowed three sacks. Um, the Bengals allowed two sacks, but the um, Bengals still found a way to get it done, even though they had less total yards. Um, they were not as not that efficient on third-down efficiency. Um, they had just as many penalties, but and it cost them more yards, and they still found a way to win and defeat the Raiders. Um, they finally get a win in the playoffs. On um, the first win in 31 years. The last last time the Bengals won a playoff game was January 7th, 1991. Ladies and gentlemen, Home Alone was the number one movie in the country. Michael Jordan had yet to win the championship. I saw it on ESPN on Instagram post. I was like, wow, that's a long time ago. Like that's ludicrous. Um, so yeah. Um, they Joe Burrow stayed after the game. It's exciting for the city, for the state, but we are not going to dwell on that. We are moving forward. Um, this is expected. This isn't like icing on top of a cake. This is the cake, so we are moving on. Burrow led an efficient offense that scored on six drives, uh, led by Evan McPherson, who became the first rookie to make four field goals without a miss in a postseason debut, and Jermaine Pratt sealed it with a fourth down interception in the dying seconds of the game. It was a victory three decades in the making for the Bengals, who are now 11-7 and seven, and will continue to advance throughout the postseason. After going from worst to first in the AFC North with a generally young roster, they ended That embarrassingly long postseason drought that included eight consecutive defeats. Who day indeed. Coach Zach Taylor said game balls were going to team owner Mike Brown into the city itself. And he also stated, quote, some of them might not understand the significance of what happened today. City can finally enjoy this team and take the pressure off of the last 31 years. Today was significant for a lot of people. Their next opponent will depend on results in the other two AFC wildcard games this weekend. Burrow also stated it's going to be fun tomorrow to watch the game snow when we have the win. Who was the top overall section in the 2020 NFL draft, who led the NFL in completion percentage this season? Um, they were helped by some problematic officiating by Jerome Boger's crew that might have allowed Burrow's touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd to count when it shouldn't have. The Bengals have also extended a lengthy postseason drought for the Raiders, who, are, who finished 10 and A on the season. Um, Las Vegas, which won its final four games, squeezed into the playoffs, haven't won a postseason game. Since the 2002 AFC Championship game, um, Cincinnati made it 4 for 4 on scoring drives late in the first half, though with some controversy. Burrow rolled right to avoid pressure and threw from close to the sideline, and the play continued despite an erroneous whistle by an official who, brought, who thought Burrow stepped out of bounds. Boyd caught the 10 yard pass in the back of the end zone for a 20 6 lead, and the play counted to protest in the Raiders, who cited. The rule that the ball should be returned to the previous spot. And Las Vegas lost by seven points. Um interim coach Rich uh, Basakia of the Raiders said we just ran out of time. We did some uncharacteristic things with some penalties and gave up some drives and didn't capitalize when we had it in the red zone at times. So it just didn't go our way today. Daniel Carson was the league's top scorer, made a forty seven yard field goal on the game's opening possession, and the Bengals countered. They kept scoring though, mostly field goals. Burrow took Cincinnati 75 yards in 10 plays, connecting with C.J. Uzoma in the front end zone from the seven to the make it seven to three, and he threw for 65 yards on the drive. And Uzoma celebrated his score the, with the icky shuffle. Then the Bengals defense stepped up with their sacks leader Trey H- Hendrickson stripping Car of the ball. Defensive tackle Larry Ugunjobi rumbled 11 yards with it to the Raiders' 10, but Las Vegas held and McPherson. A 31 yard field goal. Raiders continue to make mistakes as Payne Barber touched a botched kick- kickoff, heading out a bounce at the Raiders' two, putting them in a hole. All pro punter AJ Cole caught, got off a 58 yarder, but Trent Taylor's 14 yard return set up Cincinnati once more in prime position. Jamar Trace, the rookie, star rookie for the Bengals, had nine receptions for 116 yards. He kept victimizing the Raiders, and his 38 yard reception, getting the Bengals to the sixth. McPherson then made a 30-yarder for a 13-3 lead and it soon was 13-6 on the Carson's 28-yard field goal. And Raiders just couldn't get get it going. Um, that controversial play probably cost their chances of getting their first playoff win in like 20 years. All in all, the Bengals did what they had to do to get the win, and they will continue. Um, they go to the next round, the divisional round, to see who they'll play in their next game. Getting on with more wild card games. Um, we got the 49ers and Cowboys, a controversial game last night. Um, 2049 is 123 to 17. That last play, everybody's going to be talking about for years to come. That Prescott that offense, they, they used all their timeouts in the, in the end of the fourth quarter to stop the clock to have a chance to somehow win the game because they were down by one touchdown. And that was a poor misuse of the timeouts, in my opinion, because I was like, why are they using all these timeouts what if they really need it? And they could have used it right then and there um during those last 15, 20, 25 seconds. To try to you know stop the clock and run get a play going as they got closer and closer to the 49ers end zone. And it hurt them. They acted that QB sneak. They said he probably did it a little bit too long. He should have stopped a little bit shorter so they had more time. And he should have looked to give the ball to the umpire to stop the clock. I didn't know when you give the ball to the umpire, it stops the clock in football. I didn't know that. I thought it was just out of bounds or timeouts. I didn't know that. So that was really interesting to hear. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't even that great. He had no touchdowns. He threw four. He had an interception. He was 16 to 25 in completions. Um, um, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, uh, he threw for 254 yards and a touchdown, and he had an interception on 23 of 43 completions. The Cowboys had 307 total yards to 49ers, 341. The Cowboys had 230 passing yards to 49ers, 172. The 49ers rushed for 169 yards for the Cowboys, 77. Um Cowboys were 5 of 14 on third down efficiency to the 49ers, uh, 6 of 13. Um, they allowed five sacks the Cowboys. 49ers didn't allow any sacks. The offensive line did a good job protecting Jimmy Garoppolo. And, man, 14 penalties for the Cowboys. Some bone boneheaded penalties as well. 14 penalties that cost them 89 yards in the game. That's not going to win any football games. And the 49ers had nine penalties on that cost them 58 yards. And they each threw an interception. So... That's what that's what happened throughout that game. Fortnite were up sixteen to seven going to the halftime. Um going to the halftime Dallas only had one touchdown. They didn't score in the first or third quarter. And we put up ten points in the fourth quarter. So Cowboy season comes to an end on a controversial um play. Um it's just it's sad because Cowboy fans were crying. I was I was literally watching the game. They were crying. And they were praying that they came back. But it just didn't happen, man. Um Ezekiel Elliott only had he had twelve carries, thirty one yards. This guy is just not the same player anymore. He hasn't been for a long time. Um Murray Cooper caught a touchdown. He had six receptions for 64 yards. But other than that, nobody really scored. Um that Praska had a rushing touchdown. Um there wasn't there wasn't much offense. The five power offense that we knew in the regular season didn't come um true in the off season, so I mean, in the postseason, so that's what happened at that game. That was, that was the most controversial game of all the games yesterday. Buccaneers took care of business against the Eagles, which is easy. But Tom Brady um, beat the Eagles for the third time in his postseason career, 31-15. Uh, he had three, 271 yards and two touchdowns on 29-37 completions. While Jalen Hurts, the young quarterback of the Eagles, had 23-43 completions, 258 yards, a touchdown, and threw for two interceptions. It was up. They were um, the Eagles didn't score to the fourth quarter. It looks like it was gonna be a shutout playoff game, and that would have been hella embarrassing. Buccaneers were up thirty-one to zero going into the fourth quarter. Until the Eagles in garbage time put up fifteen points to at least not get shut out. And people said, "Oh, the cup will be a, a potential upset." I knew there was not gonna be no damn upset. It's Tom Brady playing against you. Think the Eagles are gonna beat them. This Eagles team. This Eagles team. No. Buccaneers took care of business. They had 349 total yards to the Eagles, 339. Um, 106 rushing yards to the Eagles, 495. 243 passing yards to the Eagles, 244. Um, There are 4 of 13 on third down efficiency, though, the Buccaneers to the Eagles, 5 of 14. But they probably didn't have a lot of third downs because they had a lot of first downs. They had 23 first downs throughout the game. They only had four penalties for the Buccaneers. That cost them 35 yards for the four penalties for the Eagles. That cost them 45 yards. And the Eagles also had a fumble going along with their two interceptions thrown by Hurts. So that definitely hurt their chances of potentially getting upset over the Buccaneers. And then Chiefs-Steelers, 42-21 Chiefs. Um, Chiefs took care of business. I knew the Steelers weren't going to beat them. This is potentially Ben Roethlisberger's last game. He might be retiring. He most likely will be retiring after this game. Um... This loss to the Chiefs. So he had 215 yards for two touchdowns and 29 of 44 completions. Mahomes was a monster. He threw for 404 yards, five touchdowns. He was 30 of 39 completions, and only had one interception. Um, Travis Kelsey had five receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Um, whew, and man, um, Jarek McKinnon, he was um, productive as well, six receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had five receptions for 57 yards and a touchdown. Ryan Pingle also had two touchdowns with five receptions and 37 yards. Even their offensive lineman, Nick Allegretti, um, had a block, fake, a block, and then faked it. seemed like he was going to take a block, and then he caught a touchdown and caught the uh, Steelers defenders off guard. Uh, he pushed T.J. Watt down and got him and got the way. That was a great pass by Travis Kelsey to throw that to him. Um, their rushing game was pretty good, too. Jay McKinnon, man, he was a monster yesterday. He didn't score a touchdown, but 12 carries for 61 yards. It seemed like he was getting a lot of yardage on those plays that he was running the ball. <clears throat> and they don't have Clyde Edwards, lair. Their running game's kind of thin right now. So the Chiefs, they were really efficient on third down, 8 of 12 to the Steelers, 7 of 16. They, they allowed three sacks to the Steelers, 2. They had one fumble, one interception for the Chiefs, and the Steelers had a 1. Um, 478 total yards for the Chiefs, 257 for the Steelers. But the Steelers just couldn't get enough offensively. Their offense is really not that great. Um, they didn't score in the first quarter. Neither team scored in the first quarter. It was a scoreless first quarter. But then the Chiefs will pile on 21 points in the second quarter alone. to go up 21-7 to seven in the second quarter into the half. And then they'll pour another two touchdowns in the third quarter to give them a 35-14 to 14 lead. Um, and at that point, once they got 35-14, to 14, I knew the Steelers weren't coming back. Because the Chiefs' offense is too... Too Much firepower and the Steelers defense to me isn't that and isn't at that top type of elite level to really stop the Chiefs offense and try to get back in this game. And their offense is not that great either. So, and Steelers season comes to the end, the the defeat to the Chiefs um, 42 to 21. So, the last game I wanted to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, was the Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams which wasn't even close for Sean McVay's Rams dismantling Kingsbury's Cardinals 34-11 every way possible. Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray looked dazed by the elite Rams defensive attack that consists of all pros, just defensive tackle Aaron Donald, outside linebacker Von Miller, and cornerback Jalen Ramsey, just to name a few. The one excuse the Cardinals could say on why their offense struggled so much and the Rams were in phase by their passing game was they were without their star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who was arguably the best receiver in the game, uh, in the NFL, and had been out with a torn MCL injury he suffered back in Week 14 against the Rams, when they lost 30 to 23 back on December 13th. Without Hawkins and the consistent fury of defenders on every play by the Rams, Murray managed to throw just 173 yards and 19 to 34 completions and two interceptions. The first one was unquestionably the worst of the two, as the Cardinals were deep in their own end zone as Murray felt pressure and lofted the football to the right side of the field as he tried to avoid the safety. That ball hung in the air and was eventually picked up by Los Angeles and returned for a touchdown that extended the Rams' lead to 21. At that point, the Rams' defense had more yards of total offense, 3, and points than the Cardinals, negative 1. The Cardinals' offense couldn't get anything going, whether it was their pro running back, James Conner, who was held to just 19 rushing yards, and they had a poultry 180 total yards for the game. Um, The Cardinals were 0-9 on third down efficiency and had seven penalties throughout the game that cost him 50 yards. Now, with the season over and a playoff game, which their young star quarterback basically panicked, do the Cardinals give Murray a big contract after that type of playoff performance? Will his miniature size, being at just 5'9", as an NFL quarterback, always hinder him come postseason? Those are questions the Cardinals must ask themselves. At the performance, that would even scare Medusa by their team. On the other end, the Rams absolutely took care of business. Quarterback Matthew Stafford and wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. were both sharp and productive in their first playoff win of their careers. Beckham even caught the first career touchdown in his playoff career. Um, Stafford threw for 202 yards, two touchdowns, while Beckham had four receptions for 54 yards for uh, along with that touchdown to go along with a 40-yard throw to Cam Akers. Guys like Donald, Greg Gaines, and Michael Hoet kept pressuring Murray and the offensive line all night, while Miller, Terrells, Burgess, and Ramsey made it difficult for the Cardinals to find any rhythm in their passing game. The Rams also played mistake-free football by turning the ball not turning the ball over at any point throughout the game. They took really good care of the ball. The turning point of the game, though, was on a second and seven play from the Arizona four-yard line. Murray threw a twenty-two-yard pass to AJ Green, the veteran receiver initially appeared to make the catch with Rams defender Nick Scott, then delivering a big hit to force the fumble, which fell out of bounds. The referees took a long, hard look at it and initially said it was good, but McVeigh wasn't having it and challenged the play, arguing that Green did not bring down a catch, which proved to be the right decision as the play was overturned in Los Angeles' favor. What followed was a silly, lofty pass by Murray that was picked off by David Long Jr., who walked in for the touchdown to further cushion the Rams' lead to 21 at that point. So now the Rams will now have a tough test ahead as they will be playing the GOAT and Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions and the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay on Sunday. If the wildcard round was a snippet of what's to come, then fans should be in for a treat of what's to come in the divisional round. It's going to be a great matchup for the Rams Buccaneers. I hope the refs don't ruin the game, ladies and gentlemen, Um, for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, this team is not that good. Um, Their injuries have depleted them in their roster, and the Rams, to me, are one of the hottest teams in football right now, and they have a lot of talent. I would love to see the Rams to advance and beat the Buccaneers. Tom Brady has seven rings. I think he has enough. I want to see someone else get their shine and get the spotlight. So we'll see what happens in the playoffs this upcoming weekend. The last NFL thing I want to talk about is near Giants fired their head coach, um, Joe Judge, this past week. After just two seasons as being the head coach, they fired him last Tuesday. Um, the move comes a day after general manager Dave Gettleman retired after four seasons on the job. Judge was the first-time head coach. He went 10-23 in his f- first two years. Um, he's the third consecutive Giants coach to be fired after two seasons or less. <clears throat> Excuse me. Following Ben McAdoo, who had a 13-15 record. And Pat Shemore, who had a 9-23 record. As the once-proud franchise, stumbled through one of the worst 10-year stretches in its history. The move comes after Judge was left dangling for most of the past two days. And he operated Monday as if he would remain holding a team meeting before speaking with ownership in the afternoon. The Giants did not mention that Judge will return when they sent out a news release and now to get him into retirement. Judge had more meetings scheduled with ownership on the direction of the team last Tuesday. And it was during one of those meetings that Judge was informed he would not return for a third season. Co-owner Steve Tisch and I both believe it is the best interest of our franchise to move in another direction. Giants co-owner John Mara said in a statement, We met with Joe yesterday afternoon to discuss the state of the team. Um, I met again with Joe this afternoon and it was during that conversation that I informed Joe of our decision. We appreciate Joe's efforts on behalf of the organization. I said before the season started that I wanted to feel good about the direction we were headed when we played our last game of the season. Unfortunately, I cannot make that statement, which is why we have made this decision. We will hire a general manager and that person will lead the effort to hire a new head coach. Um, Judge, who's forty years old, appeared safe at the until late in the season when the Giants started spiraling out of control after losing quarterback Daniel Joe's injury. They couldn't move the ball. They scored they haven't didn't score. Um more to 10 points once in no those six games with Mike Glennon and then Jake Fromm claimed off the Buffalo Bills practice squad starting. starting. Um, the Giants used three starting quarterbacks in a single season for the first time since 1992. That was in Ray Hanley's second season as head coach, and he too was fired after the season. Giants ownership has wanted to keep Judge. Uh, Mara even gave Judge a vote of confidence earlier the season despite a slow start. Um, But an animated 11-minute ramble after a loss to the Bears two weeks ago rankled their organization and running back-to-back quarterback sneaks from inside their own 5-yard line on 2nd and 3rd downs during Sunday's 22-7 loss um, to the Washington football team like a week ago or two, made Judge an easy target and the Giants a running joke. Giants spent a lot of money last season, and the expectation from ownership was that they would at least be playoff contenders, but they started off slow, 1-5, and it doomed Judge's chances of returning for a third season. They started 0-5 under him in 2020, and they have missed playoffs nine of those past 10 seasons. Judge's .303 winning percentage is third worst in Giants franchise history, just above Pat Shermer, um, the man he replaced. Giants were among the league leaders in games missed because of injuries this season. They missed a lot of key offensive players. Their quarterback, Jones, um, running back, Saquon Barkley, left tackle, Andrew Thomas. Our receivers, Kenny Galladay, who they paid a lot of money, and it was a mistake. Uh, Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney missed at least two games. Um, Judge came to the Giants after eight seasons with the New England Patriots, mostly as a special teams coordinator, and he was highly recommended by Bill Belichick. had previously worked on the next statement in Alabama as well. Um, They lured him with a five-year contract, and he only was able to um, fulfill two years of those. He was set to become the head coach at Mississippi State, his alma mater, before this opportunity arose as the Giants head coach. Two years and four days later, he's now out as the Giants head coach. This comes as no surprise to me, as the Giants finished as the last, they were the very last in the NFC East, 4-13. It wasn't even close. Um, and that's really bad. That's a conference that's not even that good. Um, the best record is 12-5 and Cowboys. The other two teams, 9-8 and Eagles and 7-10 and Washington football team. And you were dead last, not even close to those teams. You had a running percentage of .235. Are you kidding me? And it has been stuck in mediocrity in the last for the last ten years now. I haven't mean, the Giants have not made a Super Bowl since I was in sixth grade, and now was in two thousand twelve. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been ten years since they've been really relevant. So we'll see what happens in this coaching situation. There is a lot of coaching candidates out there. Brian um, Flores, I think he's still on the market. You yeah, have a lot of head coaches that just got fired. Vic Fangio, maybe some. Um, young prodigy that's an assistant coach right now or coordinator on a team will maybe somehow get hired as the head coach next head coach They want someone who's a leader who knows football and could really um get the best out of their players so we'll see what happens in the Giants coaching situation as all season approaches coming from the break we're going to talk about some hockey the Evander Kane situation what's going on with that Um, We're also gonna get into um, some NBA stuff with Kevin Durant going down. He'll be out for four to six weeks with MCL sprain and some other NBA news around the NBA. So before we get into that, though, we'll take a quick break. Smooth driving pays off. With Allstate, the safer you drive, the more you save. You've never been in better hands. Allstate, Quicker call for a quote today. Tasha, did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aw, uh, French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough, scoop. Today and see all the ways you could save. If you like this video, be sure and share it with your friends. And if you'd like to see more Geico Brilliance, hit the subscribe button. Scoop. There it is. So ladies and gentlemen, Kane I've done articles on him on my website and there's, he's he's been through a lot. Um, with the sexual assault allegations earlier this season to get released by, the, by his hockey team earlier this year. Um, I think the Sharks, are the team he's on. But now there's been, there's an article by Sportsnet staff um, from a few days ago. A few teams were looking to sign Vatican are eagerly awaiting to learn whether there will be consequences this week for the embattled free agent winger for crossing the border illegally while on COVID-19 protocol before attempting to sign him. There are, quote, there are some teams who have said they will not go in Evander Kane's direction. Um, according to Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, um, on, he said on Saturday on the 32 Thoughts segment on Hikey Night in Canada. Um, But their quote, he also stated there are a couple who are hoping to see next week if there's clarity on whether or not Evander Kane will face any further penalty for potentially going over the border legally from the U.S. to Canada on December 29th. Um... They also stated now he has maintained that he did nothing wrong, the NHL is investigating it, and the Canadian Board of Services are believed to be investigating it, although they will not say anything about any specific case when they are asked um, about it this week. And Joe has said they will not provide a timeline, they will not commit to a timeline on when this investigation will be closed, some teams are hoping to know next week that they will be able to sign Kane or whether or not he will face any further punishment. Kane tested positive for COVID-19 on December 21st and then flew to Vancouver on the 20, December 29th. At that time, Kane would have still been in the 10-day AHL COVID-19 protocol. And when the San Jose Sharks terminated his contract on Sunday, they said it was for, quote, breach of his standard player contract in violation of the AHL COVID-19 protocols. Um, the NHL initially supported the Sharks' move and saying it was, it was satisfied. Um, the club has sufficient grounds to effectuate a termination, and the NHLPA, however, challenged the termination before the current NHL investigation um, by filing a grievance. Um, barring some kind of settlement, an arbitrator will rule on their issues raised in the grievance. Um, it's also not clear at this time how the league's investigation will impact Kane's viability as a free agent signing, though several teams were believed to have been interested in his on-ice talent despite the off-ice concerns his acquisition will come with. Um, among the teams interested in his services um, were reported were the Edmonton Oilers, whose General Manager and President of Hockey Operations, Ken Holland, confirmed on Tuesday he had spoken Kane's, to Kane's agent and believed in second chances. Before the season began, Kane was already suspended for 21 games for the use of a fake COVID-19 vaccination card. When he was out to return, he joined AHL San Jose Barracudas, where he had 8 points in 5 games. COVID-19 protocol suspension at the start of the season was only one part of the controversy surrounding Kane, though. Um, There was also domestic assault made by Anna Kane, his estranged wife, in a divorce filing, ultimately saying they could not be substantiated. And Kane, his wife Anna, also said that Kane had bet on NHL games, including ones he played with the Sharks, influencing their outcomes for his own financial benefit. And the NHL's investigation into those claims did not find evidence that he had bet on hockey games. Anna Kane is 30 years old. He has 22 goals and 22 assists for 44 points in 56 games last season for the Sharks. Kane has also played for the Atlanta-Winnipeg franchise and Buffalo since being drafted by the Thrasher's fourth overall in 2009. I don't know if Andy Kane will eventually get a second chance. He's been through a lot. Um, he's, some of the stuff he's done is not stuff you really want to, that headache you want to deal with on your franchise if I'm a hockey team. But then again, I would probably give the man one more chance to prove himself that he could behave himself and just focus on hockey and do what he has to do to help whatever team he goes to to win so that's what I would do if I'm the Edmonton Oilers who are the one team I'm hearing reportedly are interested in giving him another chance um so we'll see what happens with Evander King because he from the betting to the domestic assault with his estranged former wife to to the fake COVID-19 vaccination card he had he he's he's done some crazy stuff man so um, we'll see what happens in this situation, and hopefully he does get another chance. Getting into some NBA news now. The Brooklyn Nets, um, fortunately, lose Kevin Durant. Um, they lost him to the, in that Pelicans game where he was diagnosed with a sprained MCL on his left knee. He suffered in the second quarter against New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday. Man, this, this really sucks for them. He's um, expected to return to full strength following a period of rehab. Updates regarding his return will be a, a provided as appropriate. So he'll be out for four to six weeks, so basically a month. He's gonna miss the All Star game yet, yet again. Kevin Durant, ladies and gentlemen, has not played the All Star in the All Star game since twenty nineteen. Three years, three straight years, this guy has not played the All Star game because remember he tore his Achilles in the twenty nineteen final, so he missed all twenty nineteen twenty. Last year he couldn't catch a break; he just kept getting injured. Hamstring injury that kept him out for a long time, and then this year now the MCL. He was hurt when teammate Bruce Brown bumped into a driving Herbert Jones and fell backward into him. Durant grabbed at his knee, tried to walk it off, and then asked to be removed from the game, and he was walking with a limp when he left the arena in the fourth quarter. And then Adrian Wojnowski reported there was optimism within the Nets that um, will be, it will be a four to six week um, rehab in return for KED. Um, he was back in the lineup after sending out a loss to OKC on Thursday night to rest on the second night of a back-to-back It was the Nets' fourth game in five nights. And with Kyrie Irving ineligible to play in home games, and he stated that Kevin Durant being out isn't going to change his mind on getting vaccinated to help his team um, with Kevin Durant out for over a month. Um, So Kyrie Irving made made that clear that he's not returning just because KD's out to play in home games. KD has had to play heavy minutes in the second season in Brooklyn after sitting out a year following Achilles tendon surgery. The 11-time All-Stars enjoyed an MVP caliber season in Brooklyn, averaging league-leading... 29.7 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 5.9 assists while shooting 52% from the field. The Nets have only just seen Kyrie Irving return on a part-time, road-only basis due to the New York's existing COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Following a slow start, averaging 27.2 points, 8.3 rebounds, and 10.6 assists since Christmas, James Harden has been finding his role and rounding into form. Um, He's starting to look like the MVP candidate we saw in Houston um, Brooklyn entered Saturday's game in third place in the Eastern Conference, just two back in the lost column from first place Chicago. And now they just had their road game Monday in Cleveland where they lost. And it, it's going to be a long stretch for them as they'll play their next 9 of 11 games on the road. So they got a long road ahead of them before they have their next home game. And at least on the road, they'll have Kyrie with them. So, hey, and Brooklyn right now in the st- standings – are currently third in the east. Um they're behind the Miami Heat, who just passed them last night with a win. And the Bulls are number one in the East right now who lost Zach Levine. Um thankfully he has no structure damage to his knee and he's gonna come back and make a full recovery. The Cavaliers are fourth right now, twenty-seven and eighteen. The Bucks are twenty-seven and nineteen. Um the Bucks have been struggling a little bit as of late, blowing some leads to the Raptors and the Hawks recently. Um, the Sixers have been playing some good basketball lately with the dominance of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Their budding sophomore guard um, making a big step in the second season with the absence of Ben Simmons out all season. Um, the Philadelphia Sixers are six in the East, twenty-five and eighteen. Hornets are twenty-four and twenty. Miles Bridges has had a career high thirty-eight points. Um, with Lamella Ball sitting out that game due to a non-COVID illness, but he was eligible to play, but he didn't. Um, the Wizards now are eighth seed in the East, twenty-three and twenty-one. Raptors are twenty-one and twenty at nine. Celtics are 23 and 22. The East is deep, man. The East is deep. The East is the conference this year. You got 10 teams over 500 in the East. 10. And the the Knicks are 11th seed, and they're 22 and 22 right now. They're right at 500. They're just bordering on trying to get into that play-in. The Hawks are 18 and 25. There's no way the Hawks making the postseason unless they go on a win streak. And one of these teams, like the Knicks, Celtics, and Raptors, or Wizards, go on a massive losing streak. Like they lose a key player and then just start losing like a lot of games. Um, the Pacers are at the bottom. Pistons, Magic, all at the bottom. And in the West, you got the Suns still at the top, thirty-four and nine. Warriors have been struggling as of late. They're four and six in the last ten. Thirty-one and twelve trying to incorporate, um, Clay Thompson back in. The Grizzlies are thirty-one and fifteen, third seed in the West right now. John Morant has been the best point guard this season. Yes, he has. Steph Curry has cooled off a lot in the last month and a half. So John Morant, to me, has been the best point guard in the league this year. Um, Utah Jazz are 29-15 and 15 at the fourth seed. Mavericks are 25-19. and 19. They're 9-1 and 1 in their last 10 games. Um, sixth seed, he got the Nuggets. Um, Kaliokic has been doing a great job putting up MVP-type numbers. He's averaging like over 25 points, over 13 rebounds, and like six assists per game. He's putting up historic, historic numbers. Lakers are seven seed. They keep hovering at 500. They're 6-4 in the last 10 games. Clippers are 22-23 at the AC. seed. You got the Timberwolves at the ninth seed. And you also have the Blazers at the 10th seed at their 18-25, though, which is not good. So, yeah, man. Um, and this is this is Kevin Durant. I'm just disappointed with the Kevin Durant news because I want to see this guy stay healthy, man. We have not seen this Brooklyn team, this big three, really be whole since they've come together. Um, and it's just been tough. Injuries and then COVID-19 with Kyrie Irving. So it's just, been, it's just been tough. So, yeah, that's some NBA standings, updates for you and Kevin Durant injury. But next up, I'm going to make my all-star predictions for this year's all-star game. Ladies and gentlemen, NBA All-Star weekend. 75th anniversary of the NBA. We'll be in Cleveland um, February 20th. That's Sunday. The All-Star Game will be played, I believe, at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then All-Star Weekend will be from the 18th, the February 18th to the 20th. But I want to make my All-Star Predictions. And these are guys who I have as locks. Giannis. Kevin Durant. Um, Kevin Durant might not be able to play, so he might be an injury replacement for him. And it's, he's in the Eastern Conference, so I'll get to that in a second. I got Steph Curry, definitely making it. Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, and DeMar DeRozan. Those are my locks. Like, absolute, definitely, they're making it. No debate. That's, what, seven players? Um, I'm just going to do 24 players in general. Um, and I know sometimes I wish they, this year, there's been some injuries and, like, COVID and stuff. It's been tough. Um. So how many players in the East did I name? I think I just named, like, what, five, I believe. Um, let's see. I had Giannis, one. KD, two. Embiid, three. The Rosen, four. So I need, like, eight more guys in the East. And I'm not even going to do my position. I'm just going to name 12 guys, I think, that deserve to be All-Stars. So I got Embiid already. I got Giannis. I got KD. And I got the Rosen. Um, Zach Levine, definitely. He got he gotta be in there. Five. Um Lamella Ball to me to just be an all-star. Six. Um Jason Tatum, seven. Trey Young, eight. Um Oh, the Raptors. Any Oh mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone on the Raptors deserves to be an all star. Maybe Fran Van Vliet. Jared Allen, I think, at nine, I think he deserves to be an all-star. He's been he's been really good this season. The Cavaliers. He's been averaging a double double for the Cavaliers who are number four in the East and nobody expected him. He's averaging over sixteen points per game, over 10, 11 rebounds per game basically. Um and and he's been a rim protector for them, protecting the rim along with Evan Mobley, and he's just been a surprise for them. Um he's definitely in the running for most improved player of the year. So I got him. That's nine. Miami Heat deserve an all-star. But I don't know who. Jimmy missed time. Bam missed time. I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy Butler missed a lot of games this season. And he hasn't really been Jimmy Butler this year like that. Like He's averaging, what, 22.4 points per game? How many games has he played? Um, he's only played 26 games this season. Yeah, he's not making it. I can't, I can't put Jimmy Butler. Um, So I got nine right now. I said Zach Levine already. The East is tough. Bradley Beal. Mm, yeah, probably come off the bench. Uh, oh, James Harden. 10. Uh, let me see what Pascal Siakam. So this is tough. The East? Pascal Siakam's averaging over 21 a game, five assists, eight. Ooh, yeah, put Siakam in there. 11. Siakam deserves it. Raptors are ninth seed and they're over 500. The East is very deep this year. There's gonna be a lot of guys who get some in the East this year. So put him in there. And then for my last spot, I might have to put Fred Van Fleet, man. I might have to put him in. Let's see what his numbers are like. He's averaging like 22 points per game on like 43% shooting, six and a half assists, five rebounds. Put Fred Fred, Fred Van Fleet in there. And that's my Eastern Conference All Stars. Um, All those guys are deserving. And stuff like that, so yeah, I gotta, yeah, so that definitely that's gonna that's gonna, that's gonna be my East Conference all for All Stars. Um, so next I got the Western Conference. Mm, the West is, uh, man, the Western Conference. So I said LeBron already. I got LeBron. I got Steph. I got Jokic, three. Um, John Morant, definitely. That's four. Donovan Mitchell, five. Definitely in there. Um, Devin Booker, six. Carl Towns, seven. And this is sort good stuff. Luka Doncic, eight. Rudy Gobert, nine. Ooh, just DeAndre A deserve to be an All Star? I was gonna put Paul George, but he's missed. He's missed him. He's been out for a minute now. Oh man, maybe. That's not. I want to put Shea Gilgis, even though he's not as efficient as he was last season. Last season, he was really efficient. Um, I'm going to push Yojis 10. This is really, really tough. Really, really tough. This is so. Uh, um, so I got two more spots. I said Chris Paul. I said Devin Booker. I don't know, but I did say Chris Paul. Yeah, I did. Uh, I got two more spots. My only bigs are Rudy Gobert and Nikola Jokic. Mm. DeAndre Ayton. Let me see. DeAndre, Ayton, ladies and gentlemen, this is hard. DeAndre Ayton's been out with an ankle injury. Oh man. Well, he's been pretty good this season. He's been averaging a double double. He's been a little more dominant, a little bit. But he's only played 28 games. I mean, the Suns are the best team in the West. And then the NBA, best record. Okay, I'll give it to them. I'll give them three All-Stars. So that's 11. And then this last spot. Lillard's not making an All-Star game this year, ladies and gentlemen. He's not. Um, and he's out with the abdomen injury. And he just hasn't had the season we're used to having that Lillard-type season. Um. Let me see if DeJounte Murray, because I think DeJounte Murray's been playing some great ball. He's just not on a good team. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, over 8 assists per game. I'll get DeJounte Murray. So those those are my 12 for each side. And I think once the real rosters come out, I'm going to talk about it and be like, who got snubbed and stuff like that. But for me, those are my 12 Western Conference and Eastern Conference All-Stars. Um, Anthony Davis being out for a long period of time, he's not making an All-Star game. He's had a garbage season, just like last season. last two This season, the last season, he's been marred by the injury bug. Um, And then he just, he just hasn't. Ever since that, uh, for, after the first year, his first year in the Lakers, he was amazing. All-NBA first team, all-defensive first team, helped his team get to the finals. He was dominant. He looked like he was going to dominate the league, be up there with Giannis. And then injuries and plague, and he doesn't play as hard as Giannis. That's what separates Giannis from him. Um, He plays as hard, and he's durable. He's reliable. Um, So Anthony Davis' injuries ruined his chances. KD's not even going to get to play in the damn all-star game. Um, Injury replacement, I honestly have no clue. I think it's going to be Pascal Siakam. Um, And it sucks how he's in the East, so they can't do West and replace East Um, all-star. That's why I'm just like Brandon Ingram, maybe. Brandon Ingram's been pretty solid this season, even though his team is garbage. Um, <laughs> even though his team's pretty garbage and Ingram without Zion since averaging over 22 a game he's shooting 44% from the field averaging over six rebounds per game and five assists per game so that's all I gotta say so yeah those are my all-star predictions on who I think will make the all-star game and I'm gonna get down to the snubs once the real rosters come out Well, that's going to do it for the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I want to make this episode a little bit shorter. Um, These last two episodes, this one and my last one, are a little bit shorter because the ones before that, had a consecutive streak of doing some very long episodes. So I kind of want to make it shorter a little bit for these last two um, for you guys. Um, And I've been really covering a lot of sports with the articles. Sometimes I... You should do articles to cover it instead of just talking about it in the podcast. Sometimes I do both. Sometimes I just do the podcast, but you know how it is. Um, but yeah, if you get to this point, then you guys will listen to the podcast. You catch me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, you name it, etc. And you catch me. Oh, man, I'm about to graduate college in May, spring semester. I start on um, this Sunday. the 20, um, I go back to 23rd, but I start next Monday, the 24th. And I just can't wait to get it done. Uh, I'm gonna try to also relish the moment and just try to be excited because I've been applying to full time jobs. I've gotten denied by some, but you know, I gotta keep trying. Um, Gotta start somewhere, right? So that's my goal. I wanna get a job for what I wanna do, which is cover sports, especially, particularly the NBA. Um, So hopefully I can get to do that. And yeah, we'll see what happens on this journey as I continue to. and embark on my journey for greatness and to be a sports analyst so thank you guys for getting to this point of this podcast i'm your host dj hamilton and i'll catch you on next episode